0: All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. It is just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is out of line. We are here live, same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from Spencer's studio in Las Vegas, located basically at the 95 and Jones Boulevard. We are here because... As you've heard many times now, we have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio until further notice due to what else? Provid Code of, uh, code of Call. How's that? How about Provo? Oh my God, COVID Protocol. Let's get that out. <laughs> uh, a little delirious. Late night last night at Allegiant Stadium. Listen, joining me on the show is social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. That's right. The Wiz has his own theme music. And producing today's show, Social Distancing, back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio, is Mr. Lotus Broadcasting himself, Doug Douglas, aside from wearing an abundance of hats at Lotus Broadcasting. Doug is also the press box announcer at T-Mobile Arena for the Vegas Golden Knights. Always a pleasure and a privilege to have Doug manning the wheels of steel for us uh, at the studios. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A L-I-N-E. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. Since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bank corp studio line is 702-876-1340 hi this is bobby and it's time for what's on tap On tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you can turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights rookie camp started last week. UNLV played their second ranked opponent in a row recognition maybe a good thing not so much a record number of upsets in college football after three weeks Uh, We will fill you in. And the Las Vegas Raiders played one of the most exciting football games you will ever see last Monday night. Next up for the Silver and Black, the Pittsburgh Steelers in less than two hours from right now. Plus, key week two matchups in the NFL. We'll talk about those. The first place Las Vegas Aces wrap up their regular season today. The Aviators only have one homestand left in 2021. We'll tell you about that. And time permitting, We'll talk about the Major League Baseball playoff races, which are tightened up, and it's always an exciting time of year in Major League Baseball. So that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. And right now, Residential Bank Corp again is offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 forward closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase loan in the state of Nevada. For details, you can call 702-964-5720. Once again, residential bank corp funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Spence, I'm tired, man long, long night, a 7.30 kickoff, maybe a little bit later than that, about 7.35, I think, is when they actually kicked off. And I didn't get home till almost 12.30, and, you know, I got a show to prepare for in the morning. So um, I'm a little tired today.
1: What was the crowd like at the – I know we're going to talk about the MLB game, but what was your kind of impression of the crowd? You know, you, you have the first game where everyone's pretty much going to go because of the excitement around it to have the home game. But now that we're going later into the season, this was a ranked opponent, how would you compare the two?
0: You know, I would say – comparing it this way, it was the biggest crowd UNLV has played in in, Las, in front of in Las Vegas in probably 20 years. I mean, the stadium didn't look overly full, but it's a 65,000-plus-seat stadium, so it's not going to look overly full, but it did. The problem was it was like a home game for Iowa State. As me and Chris Chapman were sitting doing the pregame show on ESPN Radio, the leader of Las Vegas, um, we were watching people come in, and it was just – person after person after person of Iowa state. We thought we saw a decent number of UNLV fans, but once the game got going and you could hear the cheering, I mean, it was like a little mute muffle when you heard UNLV cheers, cheers and when Iowa state, they were cheering loud. It it, it was, it was cool it was a cool atmosphere. It's cool that they've played two ranked opponents in the first three weeks of the season, the record, not so cool. And last night's game and some of the stuff I saw not so cool as well. And like we said, Spencer, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, um, your car problem's all solved. I know you've been having some car problems and issues and, uh, and what's going on. You're here. You made it from Pahrump again. So, obviously, little Blue Betty made her way into uh, Las Vegas.
1: I found my way to get here. I I don't know if I should have, but uh, I'm not going to miss the show. I don't think I've ever missed a single show, and I don't plan on missing it
0: anytime soon. You've missed less shows than I have since you've been here with me, so uh, we would definitely appreciate that. We miss Caleb Herring. Uh, He'll be joining us again in a couple weeks, unfortunately. As you know, uh, my co-host and former quarterback of UNLV and also the last quarterback to take them to a bowl game, actually. Uh, He works for Metro also, and Sundays are his... uh, He got got moved to Sundays, but I saw Caleb last night at the game, and he does a great job with Russ Langer on the play call for um, UNLV on ESPN Radio. And uh, joining us also in studios, Doug Douglas. I'm going to have him join us in a second. As a matter of fact, Spencer, go ahead and hit it right now. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. It's pretty soon, as a matter of fact, if you're paying attention, and a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans out there, uh, the puck has already dropped on rookie camp. It uh, started last Wednesday night. Uh, the rookies are right now in Arizona. They lost 5-2 to two, um, in Phoenix on Friday night. They play again today in a couple of well, this afternoon, I should say. And um, really good opportunity for the rookies the actual regular season, or I should say uh, the regular training camp opens up this coming Wednesday. But one of the guys that I really want to watch this year, Spencer, and I'm excited about is, uh, you know, this guy, Jack Dugan. I'm not familiar, sure if you're familiar with him. He only played a couple of years at Providence. And, um, I mean, the, the guy is just a, a point-scoring machine. In 75 games in college, he had tw- 91 points, 20 goals, 71 assists. And his last year, why he kind of went decided to forego his senior season, um, he had 52 points last season and led – the NCAA, 10 goals, 42 assists. And, excuse me, that was two years ago. It was 19, uh, 2019 and 20. And then after Dominic College cleared again, he decided to forego his uh, last season. And he joined the Sel- the Henderson Silver Knights for the 2021 season. And, you know, after just one shortened season with the Silver Knights, he put up the strong numbers. Again, 37 games. He tallied 33 points, 10 goals, 33 assists. Another impressive season. Gave the rookie... Uh, confidence boost and he believes that he's taken his game to the next level and just about ready um, I really like this guy this kid Spencer I think we will see him elevated to play for the Knights at some point this season I don't know how many games but in a couple of years this guy's just a workhorse and what I've heard from a lot of people that, that are around hockey this kid's for real and he just has a tremendous work ethic as a matter of fact after playing for the Silver Knights last season he stayed in Vegas all summer and worked with the, with the players that also stayed here for the summer working really hard with NHL players to get in the league. And all this guy does is excel at each level he rises up from. And I, I do, I really expect this kid, uh, this kid to do big things for the Vegas Golden Knights. But aside from that, they lost their first game, as I mentioned, the rookies. Um, and uh, I think it's tonight. The game is, no, it's Friday night. It's, it's it's this afternoon at two o'clock and they'll play at the ice Den. And uh, today they play against the San Jose Sharks rookie squad. So that'll be interesting. I mentioned Wednesday training camp opens up and the first pre- preseason game is going to be uh, September 26, so right around the corner before the first season game, and they'll play against uh, the San Jose Sharks uh, in that first preseason game, but um, going be, to be very interesting. They announced uh, uh, they, they just announced uh, this past week in the 82-game season they're going to have a full season this year, as we know. 12 of those games will be nationally televised, and I believe it's either the most or the second most of any team in the league for televised games. That's how popular the Golden Knights have become in just four states great seasons uh doug back there what do you expect in this year from the vegas golden knights this season i mean you know a lot of people felt maybe last season might have been their best season of the four to get that to get over the hump get back to the stanley cup finals and win this thing um now mark andre fleury has gone you got robin Leonard is officially the vegas golden knights top net minder what do you think doug is this a team uh, a little bit of transition that can make a run
2: First off, good morning, Brian, and nice Aces hat. Love the Aces hat in the Raiders shirt. But uh, secondly, yeah, I think they can. I think they're going to benefit from a more normal NHL season. And as you know, let's be honest, they play in probably one of the weaker uh, divisions. You know, We'll see what the Kraken does. But with uh, the California teams, none of them look to be lights out. It's going to be very interesting. I do want to say one programming note on Monday. We'll have the rookie game right here on Fox 989 FM and 1340. That's an 11 a.m. game, so we don't have today's game, but we do have that game, so it should be interesting. And, yeah, kind of Jack Dugan and Peyton Krebs are the two that I've really got my uh, eyes on here early And we'll see how they do. But, yeah, I expect the Golden Knights to have a very good year, especially because they're back in the weaker division, can build up some points. And as we know, home ice isn't the end-all be-all. They lost to Montreal, but they beat Colorado, and that was kind of vice versa. But still, guess what? It's a nice thing to have. And one last thing, September 26th, what a wacky day. Raiders game earlier, home game against the Dolphins. Then later that night, the first preseason game. I mean, talk about a... uh, Las Vegas is a hub of sports now.
0: It's it's crazy, Doug. It really is, you know. And uh, you know, and, and I'm going to talk about it a little while. But the Las Vegas Aces, although they're going to have a tough time, there's some good teams. I mean, Seattle's a really good, uh, really good basketball team, and of course, they're not even they're behind uh, Vegas. But it'll it'll still be a tough run. But I said the Aces could be the first professional sports franchise to bring a championship to ship to Las Vegas and a lot of people would have said the last couple of years the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be that team but uh the Aces are poised to uh, to make a run you're talking about you know five olympians on this team six if you count liz campage who would have been an olympian with the australian olympic team national team had she uh, been healthy during the olympics uh this is an exciting team to watch you know i get mixed emotions when i talk to doug and spencer about the aces and spencer of course uh doing uh, aces up our, our brand new sponsored feature on the show but um when we talk about the aces and we're going to do that in a minute uh it is it is interesting this team and the way they've come together, the person they're coached by, and I really like them. But real quickly, before we completely get away from the Vegas Golden Knights, again, the 82 season, as Doug mentioned, I think is going to get them back feeling normality. But Doug, the one question that I'm getting asked all the time, you know, do you think well, how do you think the fans are going to react when they first get to T-Mobile Arena? Do they see the Aces? Do you think last season is completely wiped out? Do you think guys like Mark Stone are forgiven for, you know – Basically, they're an aptness in, in the, the postseason last year. I mean, this guy, you know, I was saying all last year, I'm not going to say Mark Stone was one of the best-kept secrets in the National Hockey League. Everyone knows how great of a player he is. But I said as far as he's not mentioned among the elite players sometimes, and it was a little bit bothersome. And then we see what happens in the postseason. Doug, do you think the start of a new season erases everything that happened last year? And I said probably the best thing that happened to Mark andre Fleury was this trade because I think he will be – Welcome so warmly in January when Chicago comes to town. And I think people have put that behind him. Had he still been a Golden Knight, I think that would still be a subject that would still be being, you know, would still be being talked about.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the first five game win streak they go, that will get all the fans back. But I do know, because as you know, it's many of these BGK fans are new to hockey and even new to sports. I can speak from that from people in my family that uh, never followed sports that much until the Vegas Gold Knights came into town. And they're hurt. I mean, they, you know, they fell in love with that first season. And every time anybody from that first season goes away, having said that, you know, a five-game win streak, Leonard wins, (laughs) rips off a bunch of wins in a row, and all will be forgiven by, let's say, late October.
0: I can't disagree with that. And, you know, it is a little bit of the lack of, of knowledge in hockey, although I, I give the uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans and the Las Vegas fans credit as they are really embracing the sport and look little well. You know, one of the things that just—I can't say—it cracks me up. I understand it, but the dissension over like Ryan Reeves, and I—and I, I remind people that when he first started skating for the Knights four years ago, when they brought him in, and this team had great chemistry. Everyone was complaining, "We don't want this kind of player. This is not who the Vegas Gold Knights are." And within a couple of months, they embraced him, and he became one of the favorite uh, Vegas Gold Knights. And now people are complaining that he left. Like, oh my God, it's going to open up this team. Trust me, with Keegan Colas. Are, Will Carrier, they have the physicality they need. But again, you also need scoring punch even on that fourth line. And Ryan Reeves was a guy who every now and again was going to get you a chippy goal, but he's not going to put the puck in the net. And the other guys that I mentioned, you know, Keegan Colasar and William Carrier, both are guys that can score goals as well as bring the physical element to the Vegas Golden Knights, and as much as I think we all like Ryan Reese, what he brought to, not just to the team, uh, but the community. I mean, he was an off-the-ice guy that was out there in the community that was really well-embraced. He's going to be missed, just like Marc-Andre Fleury, but people, welcome to professional sports in Las Vegas. Hockey's like any other sport. Changes are going to be constant. The, one, the two constants in life, time will pass and things will change. We've talked about it, but And the Golden Knights are going to make changes. Hopefully those changes will keep them in the upper echelon of the NHL, which I think they will at this point. We're going to really find out what Robin Leonard is like now for a full season. It's been a, a bit since he has been the main man in net, never for the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's going to be interesting to see how he responds this year given uh, the reins and and basically taking the place of the face of this franchise for the first four years. I'm really interested to see how the fans embrace him. And I'll tell you, if he doesn't play well, that's when we are going to see our first controversy and adversity amongst Vegas Golden Knights fans in Las Vegas if Robin Leonard gets off to a poor start and lets in some bad goals like he did against Colorado when he was a little bit rusty. He's going to have to play well from the jump because the Vegas fans are looking for a reason to be uh, more of a reason to be angry about Mark Andre Flurry. So I hope Robin Leonard doesn't give him one. I think Robin Leonard, totally different style of goaltender, is Robin Leonard is huge, naughty. Covers the whole net where Marc Andre Fleury was a cat. I mean, he just was wiry and all over the place. So two different styles, but believe me, the big body of Robin Leonard will keep a lot of pucks out of the net this year. We've gone way over on the night segment, but uh hey, you can never talk too much about Vegas' uh Vegas' glory. And like I said, I'll always embrace and love the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Spencer, UNLV last night, uh, second game that they have played. And, um, you know, I'll just start off before we get into this whole thing because they were completely outclassed. I said before the game, and we've got it on record there, Doug, I didn't grab the piece, but during the pregame show with Chris Chapman yesterday when me, Chris, and Paloma all – Picked up, picked our our games and, and our final scores. I said 43 to three. I thought there would be a safety. I thought Iowa State would record a safety since they've got the second best team in the country. I wasn't trying to be a naysayer. I was being a realist. And 48 to three, I wasn't too far off. At one point, it was 41 to three, and I'm I'm texting Magnum, who's in the spotting for uh, Caleb and uh, Russ Langer, and I'm like, hey, all we need is a safety, and I hit that right on the number. So, but I did hit UNLV. I said UNLV would get one of their most valuable players on the field at some point, which is Daniel. Gutierrez never liked to say the kicker is one of the most valuable players but hey he's five and oh on field goal attempts this year he's kicked all five four in the first game I think wait is he five and o, six and oh I think four in the first game one in the second game against Arizona State and one last night so six and oh on the season and um you know I, I don't know what to say about this game because there's not a lot of positive I can say this although was um, do you have the Do you have the clip of uh, of uh, Mark, uh Marcus Arroyo after the game, or, 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 or no, the actual or just the one that where I asked him the question? I, I, have, uh, I have
1: you asking the question and his response to the QB.
0: Rich. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get to, well, then we'll get to that in one second. I was gonna say because after the game, he was pretty somber. Um, you don't get a lot of opportunities to talk to Marcus Arroyo. I'm not gonna go into that a great deal on the show. Um, I think it's kind of uh crazy that you can't i make the comments and and i'll be straight forward with this that i think it would be easier to get nick saban on this show than it would be marcus arroyo and you know i don't care if he hears that i i just think that you know embrace yourself to the media and i'm really surprised that he doesn't more but but again that's a that's a subject for maybe a different time um than right now but that being said um offensively um it, impressive is something i wouldn't have said about iowa state coming into this game the first two games they've been down even though brock purdy has been a very storied quarterback might break all the records at ohio state or excuse me iowa state he hasn't played well this season and as a matter of fact even though they put up 48 points uh 41 of them on defense i mean 41 of them offensively I was not impressed with Brock Purdy again. I saw him make some errant throws, but then I realized they have to play him. Their backup came in later on, and oh, my God, was he bad. Like, I don't think he'd start for UNLV. So I wasn't that impressed. That being said, what does that say about UNLV's defense? Again, they are playing a top 15 team in Iowa State, a team that – at the beginning of the season said could make a run at the, at the college football playoffs. That's how good uh, the, the, you know, the experts projected them to be at the beginning of the season. I can definitely see that on the defensive side of the ball. Um, It was, it was fun watching them play defense. They're so good. And so active Spencer, not fun watching them rip apart UNLV, but fun seeing a team that is that defensively sound because Iowa state really was two of their linebackers are going to play in the NFL. Almost no question about it. This is a really good football team defensively but um offensively it scared me a great deal and one of the things I did not understand about UNLV's offense was some of the play calling by coach Marcus Royal I don't pretend to be a college football coach a football coach in general I coach flag football for my son once in my life so far be it for me to have expertise in that area but in the same respect I look at some of the decisions made and I wonder that one drive that they had was impressive. Cameron Friel's leading him down the field, and all of a sudden, there's Tate Martell. And it's like, wow, Cameron Field's having a good drive. Why would you pull him right now? They did, Tate Martell did pick up a couple more first downs, and that, that did lead to their only field goal. But then he kept doing that in the second half. He wasn't bringing him in at all in the first half. So after the game, I kind of asked coach, uh, I didn't kind of, I did ask him. What the deal was with the uh, in the game press conference? What the deal was with alternating quarterbacks in the middle of series of a series? Coach, the decision to rotate quarterbacks in the middle of series. That
2: was all week. That was all week. We planned that all week. There was packages. There's only limited, you know, to have both those guys. Um, obviously, Camp getting here in spring, having some spring balls, got a little bit upside in, in comparison to tape tape being cleared last week, um, and then obviously on the here for camp in the first 40 days of the program to put the whole thing on there isn't fair, especially in a short notice and and a change from last week and an injury. So uh, the rotation was planned. There was some small package stuff that we tried to get done. Um, Never easy to do. And my hat's off to those guys for the week that they put in and and try to get some things uh, scheduled on for them.
0: He didn't really answer the question. I mean, he, he said that it was planned all week, but the question was, why did you do it in the middle of a series? I understand alternating quarterbacks. They've done that at every level. We've seen it. We've seen it work. I don't love it. I don't think it's the best way to win a football team. I think you need a leader, and typically of any football team, a quarterback, usually is your leader unless you have somebody like Ray Lewis that is so dominating that he can actually be the leader of your football team but for the most part it's the quarterback so I don't like the alternating quarterback uh you know I you know unless they're just you know you have to do it that way I understand where he's trying to establish a quarterback Doug Brumfield I think has established himself as a starter in the first two games even though they've lost they've been competitive with him calling the signals so he wants to see who's second we realize after the first two games Justin Rodgers isn't the guy I had a feeling he he was going to start yesterday i'm really glad i was wrong about that but he had to see whether it was cameron field or tate martell he could say he, you know he talked about tate martell in the post game presser, not you know just getting uh, cleared last week because of the thumb surgery he had in the offseason you know he does know the plays but i was just really surprised in the middle of the series you would alternate you would run a qu- another quarterback in spencer that doesn't make a lot of sense to me i was standing on the on the sideline with my friend brian and we were like uh what is going on here? Like, this is really bad. Like, why would you do this? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I I know you watched part of the game. You weren't able to make it last night because of car trouble, so you watched it from your home in Perump. What did you see, and were you kind of surprised when all of a sudden you see Tate Martell running on the field? It's like second down, and he's bringing another quarterback on the field.
1: It gives gives me flashbacks to our very own Las Vegas Raiders. They were the Oakland Raiders at the time with Jason Campbell and Bruce Gradkowski. They used to do stuff like that. The crowd used to... Champ Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. It was a it's a funny memory, but I honestly the biggest takeaway for me from these like past two, you games is they've played some of the best talent in the country technically. Not Ohio State or Alabama, but still nonetheless some of the best of the best. And will they be able to take those performances of, you know, playing against such top talent and then be able to carry that forward to the lesser talented teams that are more on their level and actually be able to get those, those wins like That's the only thing I think that you can take away from yesterday is like, wow, that is how good they were. The next team we're playing isn't as good. So can we take advantage there knowing that we felt the pain of like the best team in the country?
0: And, you know, Spencer, to say the next team isn't as good, the team that they're playing next week on the road just got done beating a team that was only ranked one place behind uh, Iowa State and that's UCLA. And they were handled by Fresno State. Now, not that it wasn't a competitive game right down to the wire, it kind of was, but but. In the long run, Fresno State won it going away, and that was at the Rose Bowl. Now they go back home to play against UNLV. I mean, I don't think it gets any easier for UNLV in the Mountain West Conference, and I'm concerned about this. Doug, real quick, if you're still tuning in, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game last night, but am I being too harsh on the Rebels? Because I'm really trying not to be. I want to be fair, but I also want to be honest.
2: In one word, no, you're not being too harsh. I watched... uh... Till they, they stopped them on that fourth down play. That was probably the highlight of the game for UNLV when Fresno, or sorry, not Fresno State, good Lord. Iowa State was trying to go in and go up 21 to nothing. They stopped them there. I watched a little bit more. Then I got to be
0: honest, bedtime called. I'm an old man. Doug I was going to say that you know if I would have been at home I'd have turned that if you had insomnia last night and you were at home that would have been a great way to fall asleep I'd have turned on that game no wonder it knocked you out I mean and and I don't mean to be facetious or again I'm trying not to be overly negative I do see an improved UNLV football team regardless of the 0-3 record regardless of yesterday's performance overall I see an improved UNLV team I see no. I joke around about, about Daniel Gutierrez being the most valuable player, but a guy that's uh, he's kicked every field goal, including a 51 yarder this year. UNLV's got a decent place kicker. I mean, I, I'm i not, you know, yes, am I scrambling for positives? I am, but the other guy that I think UNLV has that's decent, he didn't have his best game last night, but I think this guy is an impact player. He's only a sophomore. He hits like a Mack truck for a guy that's six foot 170, and I truly do believe he'll get a look in the NFL if he continues to improve. I said this after Javen White's sophomore season. I said this kid, he's long and lanky. He's got to put on some bulk but he's got an nfl motor i say the same thing about noel williams but noel williams as you remember got kicked out of game one for a targeting penalty and it nearly happened again yesterday he's such a good kid but after the game in the post-game presser i asked noel about that Noel, were you concerned with the the helmet to helmet that it was going to be a targeting penalty
1: yeah a little bit that's just me you know i gotta keep on working gotta hit the strike zone and uh, it's gotta be better
0: yeah, I'm sorry about the low levels, uh, but that is because I'm sitting back in the press conference, and uh, it's it's one of the only times you get to talk to the players, and the only time you get to talk to Coach Marcus Arroyo. But um, you know, I what I wanted to say to Noel after, but I didn't want to discourage him, and I don't know if the coach wants me saying it, is you know. You know, I don't think you want to change your style. His aggression is great, and luckily it wasn't called targeting. I actually thought it was. I was kind of shocked that that wasn't called, considered a targeting call, because he did lower his helmet. It was kind of upper shoulder pad side of his helmet, but I was really surprised. But I love Noel Williams' aggressiveness, Spencer. I think that that is something you don't want to shy away from. You'll see Noel Williams covering the best receiver on the other team. Last week against Arizona State, where no one's, you know, we kind of forgotten about it. It's been lost, as it should be. You know, history is and is, is gone in hindsight's 2020, but but um, Noel Williams that interception he made on the first drive by Arizona State, he stepped in front of Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson is one of the best wide receiver pros, pro prospects in the country. He's six foot six, 240 pounds. He's a beast, and Noel Williams is six foot, and he climbed the ladder and outleaped Johnny Wilson to take that ball away from him the interception he made in game one that alone shows you this guy this guy's potential i think the sky's the limit and i really like him i like windman there's a couple guys on you and all these defense i think before it's said and done they're going to get consideration for the all mountain west recognition which is pretty good and a guy like noel williams like i said he's only a sophomore 170 he bulks up to about 185 on that six foot frame Um, This kid could play in the NFL, and, and that's a bold statement. And two guys for Iowa State, as I mentioned, that I love. Three guys, actually, I love their linebackers. Jake Hummel and Mike Rose are ridiculous. These guys are as good as it gets. Every play, it seemed like they were in around the football. And number 19, who I also thought was a targeting call that should have got thrown out of the game for them, and he's Kaimani King. Remember that name. He will play in the NFL, and he is a small guy for a defensive back, 5'10", 185. So for me to say that, I'm really going out on a limb. This guy's motor never stopped the entire game. He's only a junior. One more year in college. A little bit more bulk on that frame. And this this kid's going to be in the National Football League. I believe it wholeheartedly. I think a few guys, as I mentioned, on that Iowa State defense will be in the National Football League. But uh, Magnum used this yesterday, so I'm going to go out with this real corny line. Doug and Spencer uh, will blow past the Cyclones right now and move on to the next subject. He kept saying that that they're, the fans are blowing in to Allegiant Stadium with the Cyclones. And, you know, it, it, I hope I got as little laughs as Meg's got out of that as well. But um, we'll see. Next week, uh, Spencer, Doug, that they, they – They head to Fresno. We mentioned that. Fresno just beat the number 13th team in the country in UCLA. Um, um, Iowa State actually was ranked 14th, one behind them. Um, And, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't a monumental, like uh, a a huge overwhelming win, but it was a win nonetheless. And when you look at what Fresno State's quarterback did in that game, guys, how is UNLV going to defend this guy? Uh, Jake Hayner, by the way, 39 for 53, 455 yards he threw two touchdowns he did throw one interceptions but you know in a road win versus an ap top 15 um, over the last 15 seasons that that is the most by any group five member uh to, to be able to do that in a road win. It, it it was it was pretty cool and one other thing guys and we're going to talk about this as we get into the next section segment and really talk about college football but This kid is really good, and he was very pinpoint accurate. Um, I saw the highlights of the game, and I watched extended highlights of the game, and he was making every throw with accuracy, making throws on the run, looked extremely confident. They've got good wide receivers, good guys at the skill position, but also defensively when they had to stop UCLA, they were able to. To me, Spencer, that's scary and poses a huge problem for UNLV next week.
1: Well, here's the thing about UNLV just in general. It doesn't matter who they play. They haven't played a full performance yet this entire season. When their defense seems to pick it up, their offense doesn't. Now, hopefully Brunville, you know, can stay healthy and they can go forward there. But it's going to be a long time before this team ever you know, really actually we consider, oh, I think they might be able to win this game. I'm not ready to say that at all because I need to see Marcus Arroyo put together a good, great game plan. Through all four quarters, and we haven't seen that.
0: And we might not see it this year. I don't know if it, I don't know if this team's capable of it. And I, you know, the, the jury's out, and uh I wonder I wonder what is going to happen at the end of the season if if they don't get some success. And the Mountain West, it's not that the Mountain West is scaring anybody, but they should scare UNLV. The teams in the Mountain West look pretty good, and especially the team they're playing next week could win the Mountain West this year, and that's Fresno State. Not a great way to start off the Mountain West season. But hey, if they play well, say Brumfield's back and healthy and this team plays well and stays close to Fresno State next week, maybe that'll give them some more confidence going into the, the rest of the Mountain West Conference uh, season. Uh, real quickly, guys, I mentioned uh, college football uh, top 25. We'll talk about some of the games in the top 25. But what's really crazy is, you know, the, um, yesterday was overall with three more upsets in the top 25. It was an, 19 losses now by AP-ranked teams this season, which is the most two, three weeks ever ever so we are seeing i don't want to call it parody we're just seeing um some of these teams that are ranked that were expected to be really good aren't as good as the experts thought they were at the beginning of the season maybe they overrated some of the players uh you know we all thought clemson's the heir apparent to um we, we all thought the heir apparent to trevor lawrence and clemson was going to be great uh, I can, i'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name again ukulele or whatever the hell it is but um you know they're not playing the way we thought they would and and uh That's, you know, I'm really wondering who's going to stand out above the crowd. And, you know, the biggest surprise yesterday didn't come in a loss by one of the top. It was the damn nearly beat Alabama and I mean Flo, you know, Alabama's Alabama's Alabama uh, is at a 17 I think game winning streak right now something along those lines the lat in those 17 games they've only only two of their wins all their wins have come by more than double digit Spencer's except for two of them and both those were against the Florida Gators they kind of got their number the last time Florida beat Alabama was when Tim Tebow was their quarterback and Urban Meyer was their head coach. So it's been a minute since Alabama's gone down to Florida but Florida looks like a very good team and even with that loss they'll move into the top 10 in my opinion. But um, a couple of the upsets yesterday besides Fresno State beating UCLA which was the biggest upset you also had Virginia Tech uh, go down to West Virginia who looked like a pretty good team. I thought Virginia Tech was going to be better than th- their appearing this year. Uh, they lost 27-21 and Michigan State man my Alma mater. You want to talk about maybe the surprise team in college football this year? How about the Spartans? Thirty-eight to seventeen on the road in Miami. They're three and zero right now. Uh, Miami was ranked twenty-fourth going in. I thought Miami was overranked. I don't think they're a very good football team at all but still for Michigan state to go down there and manhandle them the way they did, they've got a a new quarterback, Rocky Lombardi, of course we know is playing at Northern Illinois now. And they thought they were all excited because they were playing Michigan this year. And they remember what Rocky did to Michigan last year, playing for Michigan state. Wasn't the same yesterday. Michigan beat the hell out of uh, Northern Illinois, ran the ball all over them. And, um, but, but those three upsets yesterday, you know, were all surprising in their own right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, Spencer, um, the, the, the college football is a little bit uh, – it's different this year. There's a different feel to it post-pandemic, and I don't know what it is, but there is a different feel to it, and the crazy thing is not in a bad way. No,
1: and I was actually talking about this with a friend, that college football really hasn't felt the same in a long time. I don't know exactly what it is, that kind of energy. I haven't felt the energy since uh, Alabama, I think, had attempted a field goal and. In- was it LSU that had ran it back all the way for the touchdown for that huge upset? I can't remember if it was LSU or someone else, but since
0: that, it was LSU over Alabama, yeah, That's so exactly. Since, since it was. that moment,
1: it feels like college football hasn't been the same. But now that I see, there's more upsets, so I guess I like naturally kind of garnishes interest. But still, it seems like the football players are more into it. And I think when you play, you know, when COVID-ridden and there's all these protocols and you know, there's less people there, and even the people who are there are all like kind of they were normally like masked up. It's just hard to to get into that same mindset. So I agree with you. I think this is one of the best college football seasons we've had in years and years.
0: No, I, I, I am. I'm loving watching it, Spencer. And I'm just surprised. Like I said, you know, the experts aren't usually this wrong, but a lot of these top teams, we are just seeing potential and strange upsets all over the board. And I mean, I mean, you know, close games that you thought wouldn't be close. I mean, like, you know, coastal Carolina, I keep hearing about this team, how good they are, how strong they are. Well, they were consistent. They scored a touchdown in every quarter but they only beat Buffalo 28 to 25. I mean, is that a number 16 team in the country right now? Buffalo? I mean, you've got to blow that team out. I'm sorry. You know, I thought Nebraska was way too, if Oklahoma's ranked third in the country, how is a Nebraska team? And Nebraska is just not that good. Scott Frost, I don't, the jury's been out on him for me for day one. I like the guy. I think he brings a lot of energy, former quarterback there, but the results haven't been good. 23-16, that is way too close of a game for the number three team in the country to lose, or to, to Beat a, a, an unranked opponent, regardless whether it's Nebraska or not. So that game kind of surprised me as well as as being a little bit too close, close closer to comfort than I thought it would be. And um, you know, same same with Clemson. Again, I mentioned Clemson, Georgia Tech. You know, Georgia Tech's an improved football team, but Clemson beat them fourteen to eight. Spencer, a six point win by a team that's been you know pretty much annually in the college football playoffs. I mean, Georgia Tech is nowhere close to the college football playoffs. I mean, you know, they're in the ACC, granted, but that is, I would call, say, a bad win if there's such a thing for, um, you know, for, you know, for a team like Clemson that, that really has not played very well this year, you know, uh, and, and, and the other team that's really ripe for the pickings and ripe for the upset, you know, BYU, I'm impressed with. Again, uh, they took out Arizona State, who dropped to 19. BYU, 3-0, this is a team that you better pay attention to, and it's crazy. Was it Zach Wilson or is it the BYU system? Because his heir appearance playing pretty damn well down there. We saw him here, Spencer, a couple weeks ago when they pretty much manhandled Arizona. And uh, this BYU team is for real. They're a team that's going to make some noise. And what a perfect time when they're now headed to the Big 12 in a couple of years. This is justification of that move when they're playing as well as they're playing. So, you know, we already talked about Fresno State and UCLA. But um, an interesting year in college football. I still think when all the dust settles and everything clears, Nick Saban will be holding up another national championship. I really do believe that. I think Alabama is good enough to get that done. I'm not 100% sold on Bryce Young. Uh, but the bottom line is the guys that had the quarterback at Alabama for a reason, Nick has a talent pool there. And if this guy's their starter by season's end, he'll probably be very efficient and playing really well. So, um, but I still think when it's all said and done, Alabama will win it. But I, I, I really, you know, it's crazy when you look at conferences like the big 10, how it's kind of upside down right now, you know, I, there's no question Jim Harbaugh has got to beat Ohio state this year to keep his job in my opinion, and many others at the university of Michigan. And if there was every year, Spencer, for, Jim Harbaugh to beat Ohio State. This would be the year. Ohio State looks very beatable right now. They've got some issues on both sides of the ball, and they are ripe for the picking. I mean, I could see Michigan State and Michigan both beating them this year. Huge tall order, but the bottom line is, if there's ever a year of vulnerability in the past two decades for Ohio State, it's right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, they didn't look good in Week One. They carried that over, obviously, to their all of their performances this year. Jim Harbaugh. Like you said, he has to win this game. This guy hasn't accomplished anything at all since he's been at Michigan other than failed projects at the quarterback position. So I don't understand like why the program seems to be so dedicated to him. I don't know what he's bringing to them that makes them so dedicated. But if he doesn't win this year, it's gone. Maybe even after the game, you fire him, depending on how they play. If they get blown out, they better, they better lose. If they lose, it's going to be close. Cause if they get blown out, he's out of there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I think they have to win this year based on everything, but I do like to play in the big 10 of Penn States looking really, really good. Iowa's looking good and Michigan state might be, like I said, the biggest surprise in college football this year. And much Michigan is running the ball as well as I've seen them do it in years. They're getting some good quarterback play, which is something they've been lacking over the past couple of years. Uh, we'll see. And Hey, remember this guy in Michigan State because I love him, but what a great nickname. Um, and it's, it's Jaden Speedy Mailer. How do you Speedy Mailer? I love that, man. Love the nicknames. Playing for Michigan State wide receiver. Had a big game yesterday as well. So, uh, Spencer, let's, uh, let's let's move on here. And um, hold on one second. Uh, but, but I want to, I, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the NFL in a minute. But real quickly, let's go to fact this. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Into one. It is a fact that no matter what happens today in their season finale in Phoenix, the Las Vegas Aces will win the Western Conference regular season title and barely miss having the league's best record. This means that the Las Vegas Aces are favored to compete. Um, are one of the favorites, I should say, to compete for their first WNBA championship, which would mean they would be the first professional franchise to bring a championship to Las Vegas. Spencer, today we're going to wrap Fact This and Aces Up into one segment, as I said. That being said, I ask you, can this happen? And more importantly, do you think this will happen?
1: It all depends on one player, which obviously that's not totally true, but Liz Cambage... She two days ago, they said she's close to coming back. She had COVID-19 and it affects everybody differently, as we know the virus. So if she's going to come back and she's still feeling those lingering effects, despite, you know, not having it in her system anymore, I don't think they can win a championship. They've already proven that, you know, last year they went really far, but they've come up short and they came up short from a significant amount. If she is there and she's playing well, obviously, they have the most talented roster in the WNBA. They've had that for the past three years. We know that. But now, you know, the team's been together for a certain amount of time. Liz Cambage at times in the season was laughing with defenders at her back because they're just too small for her. So we know she can dominate. I think Asia Wilson actually should defer more to Liz Cambage in the playoffs because She's hovering around like 45-47% in her shooting. So she's a volume shooter. Liz Cambage, I've seen some times where she only has 10 shots. That's not going to get it done against some of the better teams in the league. It's not like they're just going to roll and steam, you know, steamroll through everybody. I think obviously they're going to be favorites on the betting, I'm sure. But in my mind, they have a lot to prove before I, you know, I can tell them with uh, with my own kind of confidence that they are going to win this year. But you know we'll see and we'll be there. Obviously, I'm excited to see them play and hopefully they can get it done.
0: Asia Wilson is obviously going to have to play great. She is the face of the WNBA. I think she's established herself as that, especially after the Olympic games. Um, and she is going to have to play her game. She's 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 disappeared occasionally in the postseason in the past couple of years when they've made it. But um, she'll play great, I think. I agree with you 100%. Liz Campage will be back. She's it's COVID protocol. She should be back in time for the playoffs. I think they can get past the first round without her. It's going to be from that point forward where they're going to have trouble but to me the key to this team is the is the is what drives the bus and that's Kelsey Plum. Her guard play this year Spencer has been the best since she's been a professional player. She is finally shooting the ball like she did at the University of Washington where she became the all-time scorer in college basketball or I, I should say season single season score. She's incredible. And uh and Kelsey Plum you know gold medal for the 3 on 3 that she got with her teammate Jackie Young in uh in um you know over in uh, Tokyo And I really think that if Kelsey Plum continues to play the way she has, she drives the bus, she penetrates and distributes the way she's been doing this season, this team should win the WNBA crown. I really think they have the goods to do it. They're going to have a tough time with Seattle. They're going to have a tough time. I believe it's uh, the, the sun. But other than that. This team is for real, and uh, and I like it. But I think I I really think it's going to fall on Kelsey Plum's shoulder. If Kelsey Plum continues to play the way she has the entire season, Liz Campage comes back, dominates in the paint, down low like she is able to do as you mentioned, uh, bigger than almost anyone in the league, and she's she really is is good down low. And again, Asia Wilson plays her game. This team, to me, should be maybe the favorite to win the WNBA title. Listen, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders, Spencer. This is a, a segment called s which obviously is silver and black, pretty easy. Used to be S&B with C when Caleb was around, but uh, now me and Spencer will do the segment. Um, in front of fans, for the first time in a regular season game, the Raiders win their season opener at Allegiant Stadium in overtime, 33-27 last Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. Could not have asked for a better game or more dramatic ending. Can we say after one game that they are better than the 2020 team, Spencer?
1: Oh, yeah, it's for certain. Here's the thing. Like, in the past, I don't know, 20 years, they've had a lot of talented defensive players, but they haven't had playmakers. I mean, if you look at that last game, they haven't made stops on fourth and one in my lifetime, it feels like. K.J. Wright came up in big plays. Yannick and Dockway came up and was a playmaker. Casey Hayward even, even though he didn't have, like, a flashy play, a lot of great deflections. And even Jonathan Abrams, who had a blown coverage from that huge run play, had the biggest kind of deflection at the end of the game on that second down that put the in the third down, which obviously Carl Nassif then had the sack afterwards. So everybody stepped up, and the energy does seem really differently. Now, Derek Carr cannot play like he did at the beginning of that football game. He looked like Matt McGloin, Matt Flynn, any other horrible Raiders quarterback you can think of in the past five years. Uh, so if he can play like he did closer to the end of the third and into the fourth, obviously – they have a chance to win this game, but the Steelers obviously probably have the best defense in the NFL, and if they play sloppy, it's going to be a few turnovers, and they just not be able to score and keep up.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about the Steelers game in a second, but I want to say, you know, going back to this game against uh, the Ravens, which they were underdogs, not big underdogs, but, uh, you know, they, they really – man their defense to shut down at times and especially in big moments lamar jackson really shows you how this great defense has grown exponentially over the year and the the few players they brought in the difference makers i mean we were very concerned about the linebacker position but on september 1st the raiders acquired if you remember a linebacker denzel perryman and a 2022 7th round draft pick via trade with carolina um and they gave away all they gave away was a 2022 6th round draft pick he was a Beast in week one, Spencer. And really, I didn't see the linebacking core miss a beat, even though they are depleted, as we know. That was big guys like Perryman and and that other free agent from Seattle that they picked up, uh, they played incredible football considering they are filling in and, and, and just boom, kind of just got, Hey, you guys are it right now. We don't really have anybody behind you.
1: Yeah. And they only played, they only called three blitz plays that entire game. If you can believe that they haven't had pressure on the quarterback. I mean, since Khalil Mack obvious, obviously was there. So again, like, like we said. Playmakers are going to be the biggest difference, but he's got Gus Edwards has to be really careful. There was a few times where he had linebackers on wide receivers. That is not going to get it done. Yeah. As you know, we're going to talk about the game in a second, but especially against the Steelers. That's not going to work.
0: No, we can talk about it right now, actually. And, and you're right. It won't work. Uh, the Steelers, the games in just about an hour and 10 minutes from right now, both teams coming in after winning in upsets. Of course, the Steelers off a big week, one win in Buffalo. And we just talked about the Raiders win over Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens on Monday night last week, Spencer, you know what happens today? I mean, uh, My opinion, what happens today, it's going to be a long morning. Or afternoon, depending on what part of the country. And for the Raiders, I just think the Steelers' their first game at Heinz Field. Um, Ben Roethlisberger. I think as the season goes on, we'll see him play weaker and weaker just because of his aged body. But right now, it's still the beginning of the season. He didn't really take too bad of a beating in Buffalo. Took a couple hits, but nothing major. Didn't take as few hits as Tom Brady, who didn't get sacked once at throwing the ball like forty times. Amazing how they keep the guy off of him, or how. Good, he is at reading defenses and getting rid of the football but Ben Roethlisberger no slouch himself this is a future Hall of Fame quarterback also a guy with a couple Super Bowls under his belt and um you know right now not playing maybe his best football but I think good enough and their defense and the bottom line is man how is this offensive line going to t- keep TJ Watt and Hayward out of that backfield? Because they look really good against Buffalo and those two guys, you can't double team them both, Spencer, and both of them up on the defensive line. It is a tall order for anyone, but the Raiders offensive line, young, not great. And uh, how are they going to do this today?
1: It's interesting. You know, Colton Miller obviously was the highest rated offensive lineman for the Raiders last year. He'll have the task of covering TJ Watt played pretty well in the first game of the season. But on the other side, Casey Hayward, that's gonna be, you know, where all the attention's at. Can Alex Leatherwood keep Casey Hayward in check? And this is what I'll say about Leatherwood. He played horrible in week one because of mental mistakes. A lot of penalties. Obviously, the false start on the goal line against the Ravens. But other than that, in his in coverage from you know play to play I think there was probably like a couple of sacks but you're not going to go in an entire game without giving up a sack or two that's just the nature of football so I think he actually covered really well and I still think Alex Leatherwood will be a probable right tackle one day in a couple of years even look it's it, they're gonna have to be really smart about the way they play their coverages get the ball in their hands and a lot of that responsibility is gonna fall on Henry Ruggs who look he had a huge catch at the end of that Ravens game but he was absent for most of it. I mean, they need this guy so badly. They should put Brian Edwards in there in the first slot from from rip. rip. I think they give Henry Ruggs a chance. He's clearly not ready. For
0: Brian that. Edwards will be, I think, the number one receiver, but Henry Ruggs is a great complementary receiver, and maybe they got to figure out, he'd be the speediest slot receiver in football if they'd move him to the slot, and that might be where he's best off, based on his size, and a guy that could run down the middle of the field and be sneaky, because he can catch the deep ball, but he's also showed inconsistency, and at times, he drops some footballs. That's going to be a problem, but I like Henry Ruggs a lot more than you do because of how fast he is. That's the one thing you cannot coach is speed and th- that guy flat out flies one of the faster players in the national football league but again he is going to have to step up real quickly spencer so we can move on prediction for today's game i'm going to tell you straight up 28-17 Steelers is my prediction. The Raiders lose by 11, but they play competitively, better than I'm expecting them to play because I had a different score in mind. But I've been thinking about it. The guru from yesterday, I'm gonna say again: Steelers 28, Raiders 17.
1: I'll give 24 to 14. I don't. I just don't think they're gonna be able to score the football enough. I, I'm not impressed with their offense. I think the the fact that they don't have any real wide receiver one is gonna just come and kill them today.
0: oh well, there you have it, right there. And real quickly, NFL matchups, and I wanted. I've been wanting to say this all day. It's not the marquee matchup of Monday night's game. I'm going to jump right to it. If you are a Green Bay Packers fan right now, and here I go on one of my Lions rants, so you already know the answer to this question, but if you're a Green Bay Packers fan after last week, your team just got absolutely embarrassed. It was at a neutral site, but it was a, a, basically a home game for New Orleans. But it doesn't matter. Jameis Winston fought for that starting job in New Orleans. They made him look like the Heisman Trophy he winner, he, winner he was back in college. The Green Bay Packers were awful on both sides of the ball. The worst game I have ever seen Aaron Rodgers play in my life. And if you're a Packers fan and they say, here's the deal, you get one wish. What would it be? You know what my wish would be? I want to play the Detroit Lions at home. Can we please play? Well, guess What? The Green Bay Packers are playing the De- How did the Detroit Lions end up again? The the luck of this team is unreal. The one team you do not want to play this week in the National Football League would be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. He has been ridiculed and slammed all week for how bad he played, how uninterested he seemed in that football game, and they have been ridiculed as a team, as a coaching staff. That was without question the biggest upset of Week One was Green Bay getting blown out to that degree by New Orleans, and now the Lions come to town. Spencer, this is going to be ugly. I said it yesterday against UNLV. No offense, I said I don't care how Points Iowa State is giving UNLV. It is a, it's, it's a lock. I am saying the same thing with the Lions and Green Bay. Last I saw it was like 12 points and going up. 12 points. If you're out there gambling right now, I'm telling you, wake up, listen to me, and get, go down and get your ticket before, well, you got till Monday night. This is a lock. So if you have a real bad weekend, you can make it up on Monday night by taking the Packers.
1: Yeah. And, and- I just wanted to quickly say that, of course, Jeffrey Okuda out for the season once again for the Lions. They're coveted.
0: Yeah, Okuda, typical, blown Achilles tendon, and he's a second-year player, their best defensive player. Okuda, first-round draft pick last year out of Ohio State, gone for the season. Welcome to the life of a Detroit Lions fan. Listen, we're out of time. I really quickly want to say the aviator's in the middle of a six-game road trip in Sacramento, and if you have not seen a game yet at the Las Vegas ballpark, you have six more chances starting this Thursday versus Oklahoma City, the Dodgers uh, AAA franchise. Check them out. The ballpark's amazing. Get on down there and see a game. Listen, we're out of time. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. I want to thank uh, co-host and social media director Spencer the Wiz Oztroski, and of course, Doug Douglas back producing the show. Greatly appreciate you, my friend. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.